Welcome or welcome back to the Company of the Gods. Hi, how are you? I haven't uploaded a video in two weeks. But my thesis project and the exams are kicking my butt right now. And secondly, this video was way more complex than I had in mind. So, this theory is gonna come in two parts, and it's about the Captain Planet, the megazord of religions in a Shoyaf, the Faith of the Seven. The Faith of the Seven has the reputation of the useless religion in A Song of Ice and Fire as far as magic goes, but I don't think that's necessarily true. I have talked a little bit about it in my Andal Invasion video, that as with any other religion, the Faith was initially okay with magic, but for some reason at some point the Andals just dropped it. That being said, the Faith is way more complex, probably one of the most complex religions that we know of in the universe. Even though at first glance it looks like a take on Christianity, especially Catholicism, because of the structure of the clergy, the way the faith was spread, and the societal and political role and power the church has, and of course Martin said that he based the faith of the seven with the medieval Catholic church, but it borrows elements from other religions slash beliefs as well. These other elements I want to talk about here. The base, the way it is constructed, is a mixture of various religions, mostly paganistic ones, philosophies, and myths. Even though Christianity has the Holy Trinity, and the faith borrows from that, it is not in the exact same way the seven are created and explained to us. If we consider all the religions we know in Planetus, I would say the Lord and the Drowned God have more in common with Abrahamic religions than the faith. Georges has also stated that the amount of power the faith has, similarly to the Catholic Church, depends on who was chosen as High Septon. So the faith is a mirror of the Catholic Church because of the political authority it has. The other elements he talked about, but didn't specify, obviously, are in my opinion a combination of paganistic myths and ideas and the classical elements theory. And this is how I'm going to split my take. I will talk in this video about the elements theory and how it is incorporated into the faith, and in part 2 I will talk about its aspect of the seven and the deities that inspired them separately. But before any of this, how the hell did this religion came to be in the first place? This is exactly the first thing I will try and give an idea about, because it is known that I am a psyker for myths, and most importantly, what the reasons and the phenomena that inspired those myths were. I have talked in most of my videos at this point about how religions are not about gods and deities, but are human constructs made to explain stuff and relieve people's uncertainties and fear of the unknown. So religions in the novels are a way for humans to explain a bunch of things in a magical universe. So what the hell did the Andal see and say, damn, God? Members of the Seven worship the Seven who are one, a single deity with seven aspects or faces. But we know that many falsely believe that they were indeed seven gods. It is stated in the Seven-Pointed Star that the Seven themselves walked among the Andals, and it was they who crowned Hugo of the Hills and promised him and his descendants great kingdoms in a foreign land. Considering that the seven are one, and not even faceless men can be seven people at the same time, I am gonna bet these people were some sort of priests and slash or magic users, and not the gods themselves. If indeed there were seven figures among the Andals that taught them the faith. Because as I said before many times, there is no way we have actual deities in the story, in my opinion. The faith as we know it, at this point of the story, started when Hugo was crowned king since this is how their holy book begins. But they worshipped something before, something that is analogous to the current religion, a religion that is evolution would give us the faith. Celestial bodies are a central element of the faith. We have the seven wanderers, that most likely are planets, 
and they are sacred to the faith, the stars are also very important. Their main symbol is the seven-pointed star. And the second very important thing to the seven is crystals. Crystals are important for the way they react with the light and create the different shades of the rainbow, which again are central in the faith. They draw the seven as one star with seven points and different colors. And I think the seven were exactly that. A star that at some point fell on the earth in pieces. Their holy text says that the seven were among the Andals, that the father brought seven stars from the sky down to Planetos and then left. But they have the seven-pointed star to remember their words. We do not have gods, but something was visible. Most likely in the sky they were seeing something very specific and they centered the religion around it, since they say that the gods were among them. But it seems like now it's not longer visible. Something I find very weird is that George Martin created a solar system, very similar to our own for this universe, with a very similar mythology around it, but he left out something very important. Venus. We do have a direct reference, the Lightbringer, but we do not have a celestial body similar to Venus. And I'm not talking about a planet per se, but a very bright celestial body that holds such an important position in humanity's history and culture, in many instances more important than the moon. Something that signals the arrival of the dawn or the arrival of the night, depending on its position. The closest thing we have to this in our story is the comment, but it's not the same. It passes and it's not always visible. We have the description of the dawn sky and the sunset very, very often. But we never learn about a body like this, even though in our story we have a sword called Lightbringer, which is the name of Venus, the metal star. And I think the reason that is nowhere to be found is that there was such a body at some point, but it fell. It fell like all these deities associated with Venus that follow the motive of a heavenly being striving for the highest seat of heaven only to be cast down. Obviously, since we are talking about a fallen celestial body, it was not a planet. I think it was more of a serious situation. The brightest star in the night sky, a smaller star very close to planetos, so it appears very, very bright. Sirius is the brightest star of our sky, and the only other bodies brighter than it are the moon, Venus, and occasionally the other planets. And that also would explain the crystals and rainbow colors that we associate with the faith. Although white to blue-white in color, Sirius is also called the rainbow star because it often flickers with many colors, which are especially easy to notice when you spot the star low in the sky. This happens when such a bright star as Sirius shines through the layer of Earth's atmosphere. The different densities and temperature of Earth's air affects starlight, especially when we're seeing the stars low in the sky. Simmering and color changing happen to other stars too, but they are more noticeable for Sirius because it is so bright. It flickers in the colors of the rainbow, as you can see in the photos. So I think they were seeing something like that, one star with different aspects. Now, imagine how more prominent this effect would be in a very clear atmosphere without pollutants or extra light. A star like this would be pretty distinct and very magical looking, even more if there aren't other stars or planets brighter than it. This star would play the role of Venus, one of the brightest things in the night sky, second only to the moon. Only this one would change colors too. Something that would very 
easily inspire people to create a religion around it, even more if we think that we do actually have magical stars in our story. In general, from all the stuff we know happened before the Long Night, I believe that this star fell and as it did, it broke to pieces. I'm gonna bet on seven, for obvious reasons, or two, a black and a white, because symbolisms. And parts of this were the star Dawn was made and the black stone that the Bloodstone Emperor worshipped. The reason I believe this is because the Church of Starry Wisdom has many similarities with the Faith, and it would make sense if both initially worshipped the same star, and that would explain Dawn as a sword, the name Lightbringer, and why call the people with that blade Swords of the Morning. Because this blade was made from a star that in our story plays the role of Venus. The Andals say Father brought seven stars down and made a crown for Hugo. What I get from this story is that a part of the star, with a color that we're associating with Father most likely, either passed over the Andals and fragments fell, or this part fell and broke when it landed and they used it for a crown, and that would be reminiscent of the crystal crown that the High Septon has. We don't know what Bloodstone did with the Black Stone, but since the Danes forged the sword, I think it's possible that the Andals made a crown. Venus has long been an object of fascination for cultures all over the world. It is the second brightest object in the night sky, and depending on the point in its cycle, Venus may appear before sunrise in the morning or after sunset in the evening. But it never appears to reach the apex of the sky. This is why many cultures have recognized it with two names, even though astronomers realized that it was really one object. Because the movements of Venus appeared to be discontinuous, some cultures did not recognize Venus as a single entity. The ancient Sumerians knew that the morning and evening stars were the same celestial object and associated with the goddess Inanna. That is a goddess with more than one aspect. Canaanite mythology also follows the pattern of the fallen from grace deity. In translations from Hebrew of the book of Isaiah in chapter 14, we see lines like how you have fallen from grace, morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth, you who once led low the nations. The ancient Egyptians believed Venus to be two separate bodies, even though it was one. The same thing happens in Vietnamese folklore. The planet was regarded as two separate bodies. In Christianity, the morning star is identified with Lucifer, the fallen angel. In Islamic traditions, the morning star is associated with a beautiful woman that seduced the angels Harut and Marut. The story itself parallels a Jewish legend about two fallen angels. In Greek and Latin mythology, we see the name Lightbringer. In Greek, we call it Phosphoros Oreosphoros, meaning Lightbringer or Dawnbringer. And in Latin, it's called Lucifer, so again, Lightbringer. Shout out to David Lightbringer. I said his name, I don't even know how many times at this point. Greeks, for some time, also believed that it was two bodies, but even after they got it was only one, they kept the two names for the different positions. When visible in the evening, it is called Esperos. He's of the night. <laughs> Venus was considered the most important celestial body observed by the Maya, who called it the Great Star. Lakota people also called it the Light of Dawn. Many Australian Aboriginal cultures gather after sunset to await the rising of Venus. Venus plays a prominent role in pony mythology too. One specific group of pony of North American native tribe even practice a morning star sacrificial ritual to the morning star. The planet is an important symbol for the Mapuche of central Chile and southwestern Argentina. It was eventually incorporated into the flag of Chile, simplified as a five-pointed star, 
though they do individual flags where Venus is depicted as an eight-pointed star. In general, the eight-pointed star is a symbol used in some culture for Venus, and we see it in the still of King Melisipak I. And with that, I will move to the East Asia. In Chinese, Venus is called Xinxing, I hope I'm saying this correctly, and means the golden planet of the metal element. Modern Chinese, Japanese, and Korean cultures refer to the planet literally as the metal star, based on the five elements. Many ancient philosophies used the set of archetypal classical elements to explain patterns in nature. The Hindus, Greeks, and Japanese had essentially the same five elements, the four states of matter, plus a fifth element to describe things beyond the material world. The Chinese had a somewhat different series of elements, which were understood as different types of energy in a state of constant interaction and flux with one another. These elements, more often than not, were represented by a five-pointed star, with its point occupied by one element. As you can guess, the five elements are five, I know, groundbreaking, but not all systems have the same elements. If we sum all the different ones, we get seven. Air, slash sky, earth, fire, water, metal, wood, and the void. The father, or father above, is depicted as a bearded man with a stern and strong face, and he has the role of the judge. He is a figure similar to the sky gods in paganistic Indo-European pantheons like Zeus and Indra. In traditional cultures, the air is often seen as a universal power or pure substance, and it has a fundamental importance to life, obviously because we need to breathe. Thus the father, along with the stranger, are the two aspects with the most important positions in the faith. Even in the histories and lore, they decide to draw the father and the stranger larger than the rest of the aspects. When the star fell, the father was the one that gave the stars to Hugo, because it is he who takes the important decisions in life. And I think this is a very good time to say that it has to do with colors too. The object while falling probably had the color they associated with the father, which for the life of me, I don't know which one was. I tried to do the matching, but I almost lost my fucking mind. All of the colors could be assigned to more than one. For the father, I think it was probably violet, but I'm not gonna bet my head on this. The earth, the home and origin of humanity, has been worshipped in its own right with its own unique tradition worldwide. Deities associated with the earth were Yea, Dimitra, Prithvi, and Isis. Fertility, care, and compassion were attributes given to all these deities, and in the faith, the mother is representative of those. In Chinese philosophy, it is associated with the color yellow. Its negative emotion is anxiety, and its positive emotion is empathy. Other qualities are patience, thoughtfulness, practicality, hard work, and stability. The earth element is also nurturing and seeks to draw all things together with itself in order to bring harmony rootedness, and stability. Again, traits related to the mother. And this is where I'm going to take liberties. Fire in many mythologies is connected to gods like Ilmarinen and Diphestos. Thing is, these gods are smiths. But in Chinese philosophy, fire is young or masculine in character and it is associated with the planet Mars and the color red. And this is why I'm going to connect fire with a warrior, a war god, like Mars and Aris. Fire can be creative or destructive, and the warrior, I think, represents the violent character of the fire, unlike the smith, which has the creative aspect of it. Even in the novels, a big theme of of the war is burning. The poor fellows that are the low-cost warrior sons have a red star, so I think the red and the fire are attributed to the warrior. Also in the card game, the warrior sons have the red star with the rainbow sword, 
but I'm not 100% how canon this is. The smith represents the creative fire of Iphestos, and the other similar smith deities like Ilmarinen. Prometheus stole fire from the gods to protect the otherwise helpless humans, and it was a reason for the evolution of humanity. This is why I'm gonna guess a more toned-down color, like orange, is associated with him. Fired metal glows orange, not red. Also, the smith is a combination of fire and metal, and the metal's color is white. The Chinese thought fire provides warmth, enthusiasm, and creativity. However, an excess of it can bring aggression, impatient, and impulsive behavior. In the same way, fire provides heat and warmth, but an excess of it can also burn. So the positive attributes go to the smith, with the more negative and impulsive aspects going to the warrior. Metal is also connected to the smith. The qualities associated with metal are unyieldingness, rigidity, persistence, strength, and determination. Materialism, business orientation, organization, and stability are also associated with metal, Things heavily associated with the working class, which are the main worshippers of the smith. Changes and transformations are also trade of it, since smiths and workers in general were connected to progress and creativity. The negative emotion associated with metal is grief, and I will talk about this in part 2, because smiths were for some reason very, very unlucky. And obviously, the planet associated with metal is Lightbringer. Venus, and we do have a sword named Dawn, which was 99% the original Lightbringer. Water is commonly associated with the qualities of emotion and intuition. In Indian tradition, water is also associated with Chandra and the Moon and Venus, who represents feelings, intuition and imagination. Venus here plays the role of the goddess of love and beauty. Water is yin or feminine in character, and it is associated with the north, winter, cold, darkness and night. Its color is black, but in Maiden's case, I think blue is the way. Blue is the color we associate with winter, the others, darkness and ice. Water can be fluid and weak, but can also yield great power when it floods and overwhelms the land, things we very often see with Maidens in our story. Plus, in the novels, Maidens are always associated to water or ice and the color blue. Sansa, Lyanna, Elena, Hugo's wife with the eyes like deep blue pools, John Kill and even Brienne, who is a combination of the Maiden and the Warrior. And even characters that aren't exactly Maidens, but have this role in their subplots, like Lemor, that save Tyrion from the water, are closely related to the element. The Crown is another one that I will take liberties with, mostly because it has to do more with the stuff we know in the books than other philosophies or myths. The Crown represents wisdom and is prayed to for guidance. Her statues often saw her with a lamb in one hand and she is known for granting often prophetic visions. The crone is said to have led the first raven into the world when she peered through the door of death. And she is an old and wise woman. All this screams green searing and trees. She is the personification of the wise ancient trees, which are often described as looking like old people. And because of that, I think green is her color. Probably. <laughs> The Void represents strange things, the unknown. Etheras was believed to be a mysterious element, the substance that fills the heavens, and it is the element the stars are made of. Hindus talked about the source of everything in the universe, including the the other elements, a source related to sound that is called Akasha. The Stranger represents death, but also the unknown, because what's after life? 
The House of Black and White contains a public shrine with idols of many death gods, including the stranger, that they consider an aspect of the many-faced god. But since the seven are one, all the seven are a part of the many-faced god, something that corresponds with the Chinese system too. Even though Chinese philosophy doesn't have a similar element to Akasa, they do have yin and yang, an idea that heavily inspired the House of Black and White and represents many themes in the novels. Yin and yang represent the duality and the balance of the universe. And this duality is also very prominent in the myths, legends and beliefs about Venus. This is exactly why I think the seven who are one are the story's version of Venus, with some specs of Sirius. And the seven as a religion was built around it. I personally find it very on brand for Martin, but also very clever if it is indeed something like this. Part one is over, and the next one will be uploaded in less than a week, so keep an eye out for it. Leave your own theories and thoughts about the seven and religions in A Song of Ice and Fire in general, and whatever else you want to talk about. If you stuck till the end, thank you very, 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 very much for watching, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press a like and subscribe to the channel. Bye!